0: The World Bank was set up in 1944. In the aftermath of the Second World War, the institution was there to give loans to countries rebuilding after the conflict. The first loan went to France, but with stipulations about repayment that set a tone for future funds. In 1999, the BMJ ran a series of articles on the World Bank, authored by our current deputy editor, Cameron Abbasi. The article set out the bank's move into funding global health, and highlighted some criticisms about its processes. Now, a new series published on bmj.com looks at where the World Bank has come in the last 18 years, how much global health it's funding now, and explaining some of its new models of finance. The series is authored by Devi Shrida and her team from the University of Edinburgh. And the articles will cover the World Bank's turn to universal health coverage, how the bank's trust funds are being used to fund specific projects and why it's hard to know what those are, its new global financing facility that has grants and loans supplied together, and finally how they're creating a market out of pandemic insurance. I'm Duncan Jarvis, Multimedia Editor at The BMJ. And in this third interview, I talked to Janelle Winters, a researcher at the University of Edinburgh, about one aspect of the bank's structure, trust funds. Janelle, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us.
1: Of course. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Now, this article is about trust funds within the World Bank. Um, can't you just give us an outline of how funds in the bank usually work and why are these trust funds a little bit different?
1: Sure. I I think the first thing to to think about is basically how the World Bank is structured. Um, So a lot of us, you kind of think of the World Bank and you think it's one single institution, but actually it's not. Um, So the World Bank itself has two institutions. One is the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, IBRD. And the other is the IDA, um, the International Development Association. So they have slightly different lending for health, but they're both kind of similar in many ways. Um, and basically the way it works um, is for IDA, you have a replenishment system. So a bunch of donors, it's about 189 of them to the bank. They come together um, and they make pledges for about three years. Whereas for IBRD, you're also collecting money from about 189. Um, And together, uh, basically, the amount of money that you give kind of gives you a certain level of say in where the bank sends that money. Um, So the board of directors at the bank, they come together and they decide where to send that money. And so the bank and the donors together kind of have a bit of control, but a single donor If you're, say, wanting to send money to Bangladesh for polio, you wouldn't be able to do that very well within the traditional core bank system because your money is pooled and these executive directors who represent you and other countries decide where it goes. Trust funds are a little bit different because you're taking away that same kind of board of directors in this formal structure I say, representing the United States or the United Kingdom, could come in. I could set up a trust fund with the bank, um, which is a different pot of money from the core pot of money, and then I could kind of decide where I wanted that to go, what kind of program or country I wanted it to go to, and I could possibly team up with other donor countries or private foundations, um, which are not usually included in the traditional World Bank model, to kind of come up with a new health program, and I could have a lot of control over it.
0: Mm. And you could see why that would be attractive to funders. Um, now, the World Bank has a sort of, if we talk about it again in, in global terms, has a, an overall sort of plan for what it wants to do with health. And from what you're saying now, it seems like these trust funds don't fit within that larger plan.
1: I would agree with that on many levels. I mean, I think you have, when you think about these institutions, you have to realize when they started, they didn't have a blueprint of exactly where they would go. So when the bank started, they had no health programs at all in the 1940s. It wasn't really until the early 1970s with the onchocerciasis program, that you actually had a bank investment in health, and it was quite controversial. And so you're kind of seeing these trust funds, which supported this first bank health program, kind of slowly start in a kind of a parallel structure to a lot of the other processes at the bank. Um, And you've seen over the years, they've really risen since the 1990s. Um, But some people at the bank might argue that this is a bit dangerous, because they don't have the same level of control over certain trust funds. They might have donor influence coming in, so I think it's important to realize it wasn't necessarily a cognitive decision on the bank's part that a lot of their health programs would be run this way, Um, but it kind of evolved over time, and I think one of the big drivers has been just the globalizing world in a lot of ways. Uh, You have global partnerships. Private, public-private partnerships on the rise and the traditional bank country-based allocation system really doesn't work that well um, with a lot of these new needs. And that's kind of why you see trust funds evolving to kind of capture that niche.
0: Mm. I mean, you mentioned a specific condition there, the first one, mm-hmm. Um But what else do, what else are these trust funds being spent on?
1: A huge amount of things. So you really have to break apart the different types of trust funds to get at this. Uh, I do it in the article. I'll do it very, very briefly here, but you can read more. Um, There's one really complex type of um, partnership uh, or trust fund called the financial intermediary fund Um, these tend to fund global partnerships the banks often really a trustee more than supervising where the money goes for these kind of trust funds but these tend to fund very big vertical or disease specific control programs so the global fund to fight AIDS malaria and tuberculosis technically that's a trust fund of the bank but they have you know membership on the board but they're not actually in charge of exactly where the money goes Um, so you have these kind of vertical funds which are very disease specific but if you actually analyze the IBRD and IDA trust funds, which are a different kind of trust fund, they're what I refer to as bank-executed and recipient-executed trust funds. These tend to fund a little bit less over time of these disease-specific control programs. Those are kind of covered by these big vertical funds. Um, And they're funding a little bit more in recent years health systems. You've seen a lot of them funding polio, a couple for neglected tropical diseases. I'd say the biggest amount um, these days is for health systems and for maternal and child
0: health. Mm. Now, you mentioned there, um, the fundees, who are they? Who's actually putting money into this? Is it the countries that have always um, put money into the World Bank or is it foundations or is it even potentially Mm -hmm. for-profit private organizations?
1: that's a really good question um, and we're really trying to discover this so if you look at the big uh, the, the big players like the Global Fund fight AIDS malaria and tuberculosis it tends to be a lot of the same players the United States the UK you add in private foundations especially the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation which wouldn't normally give to the World Bank because they couldn't do the core kind of programs but if you actually look at the IBRD and IDA we're just starting to look at very incomplete information released by the bank and it looks like the UK is by far the biggest donor, um, which really shows that the United States is not using this kind of pathway. They're not using the IBRD and IDA trust funds very much. And you could argue, you see Germany, Sweden, Norway, the UK, so those are some of the big ones, as well as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You could argue that some of these donors are trying to, in a way, perhaps subvert some of the United States' influence on the traditional um, US processes. And they're using this as a way to kind of meet their own ends and support the programs that
0: They want to support. Mm. I mean, I suppose this goes into that, but the sort of political nature of it. But um, why is it that donors would put money into a World Bank-mediated fund? I mean, you mentioned that the World Bank acts as kind of trustees to it, but Mm -hmm. but why the World Bank as opposed to I don't know something like Gavi?
1: Well, I think traditionally at least, this goes back to my research with onchocerciasis in the 70s, a lot of donors really like the idea of using the bank. It has AAA status. It's a very trusted. They feel like their money is going to be invested well, um, and they feel like they won't lose any of the money. So I would say at least initially that's why you saw a lot of uh, countries investing in the bank this way. I would say now, you know, a lot of donors are using GAVI and the Global Fund. I mean, GAVI and the Global Fund have now passed up the WHO in terms of commitments Um they're certainly higher than the World Bank, IBRD, and IDA trust funds. Um, they're rivaling a lot of the core um, tr- the core um, funding for health at the World Bank. So I would say that they are using these platforms. This has caused them to put less into HIV, AIDS, and other kind of key um, tuberculosis, malaria. They're putting less into trust funds for these kind of things at the World Bank, and they're using it more for health systems. So I would say... For the big diseases, they tend to use Gavi and the Global Fund. For some other smaller things, there's a real advantage to using the World Bank trust funds in that they can co finance. Um, projects um, that a country's already involved in with the World Bank. So for instance, if I am, say, doing polio work in Pakistan, and I have a World Bank loan that I'm working on in that country as a donor, I could also provide advisory funding and other kind of funding that would help um, or perhaps get others in the region interested in also investing in this same um, kind of disease or the same kind of health system support. So in a way, they're using it um, as Uh, a buffer, in a sense, to some of the uh, core programs as well.
0: And is there a worry that by having funds go into these trust funds, which countries can sort of, or which donors can specify where they're going, that other organizations like WHO, who are having increasing problems um, getting the funding that they need, uh, it's a worry that money's being diverted from those big multilateral Um, organizations to these funds, which are are much more specific?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's a worry. So um, Debbie Sridhar, uh, who leads our team here, often uh, often refers to the old multilaterals, the WHO and the World Bank, and the new multilaterals like Gavi and the Global Fund. And from what's been studied so far, it doesn't seem necessarily like these new kind of innovative financing mechanisms that are funding things like um, Gavi and the Global Fund are necessarily increasing the overall pot of money that's going into health, global health. They might just be channeling it differently, which is concerning because, you know, multilateral institutions, the old multilaterals were set up so that you could have, you know, these 189 member states come together and collectively make decisions and perhaps avoid, you know, having uh, orphan countries, you know they might be referred to countries that kind of get left behind by bilateral aid. Um, So it certainly is a concern, I would say. I mean, when you look at the WHO budgets and stuff now, um, you you kind of think, well, no wonder perhaps they're having trouble with Zika and other kind of uh, modern epidemics and other major public health problems, universal health coverage and stuff, because the funding is being diverted in a lot of ways. Um, And like you are seeing a lot of private uh, foundations kind of having a huge stake in the priority setting within global health. And it's not necessarily in and of itself a big problem, but the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, for instance, is calling a lot more shots than, you know, in the pre-2000 world um, when these kind of new multilaterals and these new private donors um, were not active.
0: Mm. Now, in your paper, in your conclusion, um, you say that there's a, well, you call for transparency, um, and from what you're saying, you know, if, if we're not sure about the influence of some of these external players, then that's an important thing. What kind of things are actually opaque to the public at the moment when it comes to these trusts?
1: I would say most things. So- <laughs> When, when you look at the World Bank website, for instance, if you were looking at core HNP, we call it health, nutrition, and population, core projects, they have a very nice database there um, that's searchable where you can look by sector, you can look by theme, um, you can find project documents, you can find the list of what was spent and committed by whom in certain countries, and so you can track um, their priorities, you can track who is spending and who is receiving. Uh, the difficult thing about trust funds is no such database exists. Um, something called the Independent Evaluation Group, uh, which is basically an independent group of the World Bank um, who goes in and studies a lot of different issues, um, including trust funds in 2011. They really kind of Cracked down, and they said they're not doing enough in terms of transparency for trust funds. And after that, more information has been released. Um, But as a researcher, it's quite frustrating. As an example, um, the World Bank finances website uh, was created after 2011, and they have a lot of kind of raw data sets that you can download into Excel um, that purportedly will give you things like financial intermediary fund commitments over time, um, like IBRD and IDA uh, trust fund um, commitments over. Time. But if you look at these, um, and this is what we've been doing over the last number of months, uh, they often, like the IBRD and IDA ones, uh, sometimes they only have a trust fund number, for instance. And there's no way, there's no up to date directory. There's no way other than perhaps going to Google and getting lucky sometimes that you'll find out what. Actual program was associated with this trust fund because a trust fund is a vehicle, a financing vehicle for a particular program. Um, and so we've been systematically trying to go through them, but none of these trust funds are tagged by sector. So it's hard to know um, if it's for the health sector, if it's for the social services sector. Uh, we're kind of going based on title. Um, again, we only have commitment data from about 2005. And obviously, trust funds started to rise a lot more in the 1990s, but a lot of that is simply not there. Um, So there's a few other platforms that they've released limited information on about uh, finances. But again, you're coming to the same problem. There's no systematic place where trust fund project documents are saved, where trust fund names are linked with trust fund numbers, where you can find um, disbursement or commitment kind of data. And it makes it really hard for researchers who who either want to hold the bank accountable or simply want to understand um, the different ways in which these funds are being spent.
0: I and mean, it is kind of extraordinary that even the names of the trust funds are, are opaque. Um given the wider kind of sectoral concerns in global health about priorities being hijacked by by individuals or private interests, um you know, what's the World Bank saying about this? Why why haven't they done more to, to address um this lack of transparency or lack of accountability?
1: well they they really haven't commented so i don't want to put words in their mouth but i would say that trust funds are particularly difficult because you know you've had often a, a core like health nutrition and population kind of department or a group where people actually together or they work together even if they're in country offices and there's a structure there. trust funds have often been um, decided upon in different vice presidential units for instance of the bank and so since there hasn't been one central department to my knowledge um, where they're making these decisions about trust funds and where they keep a list necessarily of all of the trust funds for health they're kind of scattered I think that's made it a lot more difficult but really there hasn't been a huge comment from the bank uh, that I have seen on transparency. And I, there's recently, they put out a fact sheet on their development finance website, um, I believe earlier this year in April 2017, in which they called themselves a champion of transparency and accountability and said that they were internationally recognized for this. And I think that perhaps with core HNP, health, nutrition and population um, projects, that might hold true, but. I would challenge that for trust funds.
0: Mm. Interesting. So um so you've written this paper and in your conclusion you call for more transparency. Um is there a move to to try and find out more from the bank? Who is it that's that's keeping an eye on this? Who's being the watch being the watcher? Uh, the,
1: the the technical watchdog I would say would be the independent evaluation group, which again are independent experts who are commissioned basically on behalf of the World Bank to study these kind of things, and they did call for transparency in 2011 um, in their trust fund report. You also have groups like Bread and Woods, um, who obviously we don't work directly with, um, and um, I might call some of what they do under scrutiny, but there are some independent kind of watchdog groups as well um, who have certainly written a bit about the World Bank and trust funds, not in the context of health specifically, but trust funds more widely, um, and have certainly argued, um, for for instance, um, they, they argue that they should improve and have a searchable trust fund directory a couple of years ago and that sort of thing. There's something that I haven't talked about yet so far is IFC trust funds, Um, and that's a whole other part of the picture that we barely touched on um, in the article. Um, The IFC is another arm of the World Bank, the International Finance Corporation, and they also have trust funds. And um, I think that there have been other independent bodies that have called on the IFC, which tends to work with um, private corporations um, and private kind of advisory services, and have called on them not just in the context of trust funds, but more widely to release uh, more information to the public both about you know safeguards um, for their funds and also um, just about what is being funded in terms of health.
0: You've been listening to Janelle Winters talk about the World Bank's trust funds. The article to accompany this interview plus all of the articles in this series and all of the podcast interviews are now available on bmj.com. If you've enjoyed this, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. We're available in most places now. There you'll also find over 200 previous episodes, all available for free. Thanks for listening.